So I'm at the beginning of the series, and today's text comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. It's on page 1014 of the Pew Bibles. 1014. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. I heard a sermon in this text from a missionary named Paul Washer when I was in college, and it really changed my life. And so I'm very like, nervous about preaching this text, but I'm also honored that, that I get to preach on this text. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, but a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on, a, on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one, with, as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One day there was a plane that was flying, and on this plane were three passengers, a pilot, a boy scout, and the smartest man in the world. And this plane that was flying started to experience some really bad turbulence, and it was about to crash. The Boy Scout knew it, the pilot knew it, and the world's smartest man knew it. And they were like scared, and as they were rushing through the back door, they discovered that there were only two parachutes on the plane, but three passengers. And at that moment, the world's smartest man grabs one of them and puts it on his back and says, I have responsibility for the world to save this brain, and he jumps off the plane. <laughs> and now it's just the pilot and the Boy Scout left, and they were staring at each other somewhat awkwardly because there is only one parachute left. And after a few seconds, 
The pilot says to the Boy Scout, Son, I have lived long enough and seen many things in this life. Why don't you take the last parachute? And the Boy Scout turns to the pilot and says, Actually, there are still two parachutes in the plane. The world's smartest man just jumped off the plane with my backpack on. <laughs> we can both go. And <laughs> I think what this story is trying to tell us is that we can't just think our way into life. Like We need to be able to live out what we know. Like You may be the world's smartest man in the world, but if you don't know how to put that knowledge into real practice, if you don't know what the implications of those knowledges are, we have to ask if that knowledge has any value. And I think the same pr principle applies to our faith as well. Like Many of us grew up in the church, or some of us are new to the church, and we may know like God and scripture and some doctrine and theology, but it's about like living it out in our everyday life. Like faith is a way of life. Like it changes who we are and how we live. And it requires an intentional and deliberate choice every day in every aspect of our life. And in today's text, Jesus is wrapping up his sermon, what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And that started in chapter 5 of Matthew, and now it's ending in chapter 7. And to set the context a little bit, the Gospel of Matthew was primarily written to a, to a Jewish audience. And here the author of the Gospel is portraying Jesus as the new Moses. Just like God gave Moses instructions on how the people of Israel should live, here Jesus is the new Moses giving instructions on how to live as people who belong to God's kingdom like the manifesto for Jesus' community. And here in today's text, as Jesus is nearing the end of his sermon, he presents the listeners with a choice. It's like the Jesus version of altar call. Jesus says that there is a way that leads to life and a way that leads to destruction. Jesus says that there is a narrow gate and there is a wide gate, no third gate. There is a narrow road and a wide road, no third road. There is a good tree and a bad tree, no third tree. House built on a rock and house built on sand, no third house. There are true disciples and false disciples, no third category. People who do what Jesus says and people who hear and know but don't seek to do what he says. And the listeners are left with the question, which way am I on? Am I on the way that leads to life? Or am I on the way that leads to destruction? Like, and which way am I going to follow? And here we have to note that Jesus is not talking to Christians and non-Christians. Like his Sermon on the Mount has been directed mainly towards his disciples. He's not talking about people out there somewhere. And Jesus says that both sets of people are on a road and they believe that they are headed towards the same trajectory. Both the sheep and the wolves look like sheep. Both the good tree and bad tree bear fruit. And both houses look exactly the same on the outside, except for its foundation. 
And he's not talking about like people who cuss the name of Jesus or, or people who outrightly reject him. Jesus is not saying, oh, like the people who don't care about me or the church, like those, those are the people that are on the wide road. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is looking within the community and saying both the wide and the narrow road run right through the church. Jesus tells his disciples that even though they claim to know him with passion, even though they call him Lord, like that is the most theologically accurate term to describe Jesus in the New Testament, even though they call him Lord, even though they have confessions and theology that is in line with orthodoxy, even though they can prophesy, even though they can perform miracles and cast out demons in his name, even though they have done all these things in his name, he may say to them on the last day, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The literal translation of that phrase would be, Get out of my face, you who live as though I never gave you a law, or you who live the very opposite of my teachings. Jesus knew that it is possible for the disciples to work for Jesus, yet not live under him. It is possible to know and say the right things about Jesus, but never submit to his authority, never submit to his hard commands that it is possible not to let him come in contact with their innermost life. And I think we all know that it is strangely possible to serve and to volunteer, yet in our personal life, not obey him. It is possible for me to preach the gospel, to preach this message, yet in my personal life, not do the will of the Father in heaven. It is possible for us to be present in worship this morning and every Sunday morning, yet in our everyday life, live like everyone else. It's possible to believe in Jesus and yet not care about the things that God cares about, the things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, the things that we've been talking about the past few weeks, about, about peace, about justice, about God's kingdom. And I think if you're honest to ourselves, in fact, if, if getting too close to Jesus would mean, would mean risking something we don't want to risk, like our work or money or changing our lifestyle or humbling ourselves to ask for help with our struggling marriage or our struggle with singleness or asking for forgiveness or getting help with our anger or bad habits or addiction, then deep down in the secret place of our hearts, we want to be able to say no. We want to be able to say to God, hands off God, this life is my life. Yet at the same time, we don't want to let that gap get too great because that would feel uncomfortable. But we won't let him get too close either. Like, it's okay for me to love and like Jesus, but it's not quite okay for Jesus to get too close to have a say in my life. It's kind of scary to me that it's possible to believe in Jesus, yet retain control of our lives. That it is, it is possible to claim to be a Christian, 
yet not live under his lordship. And repeatedly in life, we stand in places that feel like a fork in a road, where there is a path that goes this way and a path goes the other way. And we're constantly faced with choices. And we'll have them again and again, even as we head out of the church and even before we go to bed tonight. We have moments and instances where we have to choose again and again. And the question is, do I choose the path that God is instructing me? Or do I not believe that it will take me to a place that I want? You see, if we think about it, every time we choose other than the will of God, essentially that's what we are saying in that moment. We are believing that what he is saying, what he is offering and suggesting, cannot deliver what it promises. That our own intellect and choices will bring us there instead. We trust our mind more than the word that has been given to us. And in an act of arrogance, in an act of disobedience, we move in a different direction. And we want to stay in our comfort zone of neutrality, even on the broad road, a little longer. But Jesus wants us to be all in. It's not lordship of Jesus in just 25% of our life, but all of it. And if you're feeling somewhat uncomfortable and feeling like I'm preaching works righteousness, like that's not good because that's not what we believe. But I think in some sense, that's good because I think that's the direction like, that the text seems to be leading us today. Because I'm not saying that, but it sounds like Jesus is saying that. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I think Jesus is saying that faith and deed will always come together. In our Reformed language, justification and sanctification will always come together. We can't have one without the other. If we have peace with God, if we love God, we got to have peace with our neighbors. We got to love our neighbors, and we got to love our creation. It's not one or the other. It's, it's like a package, right? They always come together. And this week, I saw a, saw a quote from Pastor Tim Keller, I think that summarizes what I'm trying to share in today's message. He says this, We are not saved by living according to Jesus' words, but by faith in what he has done. Yet anyone saved by what he has done will always want to do what he says. We are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. I'm going to read that again. We are not saved by living according to Jesus' words, but by faith in what he has done. Yet anyone saved by what he has done will always want to do what he says. We are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. I think this sort of echoes the words of Jesus and the words of Apostle James that 
who talks about faith without works is dead. And with this understanding, I want you to hear today's passage as an invitation from Jesus. I want us to hear the invitation to life that comes out in today's text. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus describes the Christian life not just as a narrow road, but also, a, a, not just as a narrow gate, but also as a narrow road. And he invites us to enter through him, who is the gate, into life, but also to walk with him on the narrow road, to follow after him, and to live like him. And strangely, it's a, it's a great challenge, yet a great comfort to me, that Jesus says not only narrow gate, but also narrow road. Because I think often that is the experience of our faith. If Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, then you will enter through the broad road where you will experience all the abundance in life. I think that I would have had harder time with that because that's just not the reflection of our reality like in our walks of faith. Like following after Jesus is not easy and he knows that. And this same Jesus who invites us to the narrow road says a few chapters later in the Gospel of Matthew, this is the same Jesus who says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus knows that we mess up, that sometimes we mess up big time. And that's why he came and died for us on the cross. And yet, even when he knows that we continue to fall short, he calls us over and over again to follow him on the narrow road to trust him, not to trust in ourselves, but to trust him with our obedience to lead us into the life that is best for us. And at the beginning of this new year, I want to wrap up my sermon with a challenge. I think oftentimes in life, it's easy for us to make decisions and choices and plans based on what looks good to us. And it's easy for us to like, tag on verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, like, which says that God has plans to make us prosper and to give us a good future. But I want to invite and challenge us that as we discern and make decisions in this coming year, and hopefully throughout our lives, that we would look through the lens of Matthew 7 through Jesus' invitation to narrow gate and to narrow road, 
to answer the call of Jesus. To enter the narrow gate and to walk with him in the path of discipleship and to the path of life that he's inviting us to. Will you pray with me? God, at the beginning of 2017, at the beginning of this new year, it is our prayer that our New Year's resolution, that our life's resolution would be to follow you, Jesus. To live under your Lordship 100%. And if there are parts of our lives that we have yet to surrender, there are parts of our lives that we are holding back. We ask that you would continue to work in us through your Holy Spirit and help us not only to listen and say the right things, but also to do, to move and to live in the way that you're leading us. And God, we confess that the life of following after you is often difficult. But help us to remember that you who invite us to the narrow road is the same Jesus who invites us to find rest in you. And help us to lean on you every step of the way. We pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Please rise in body or in spirit to sing the song of response. <laughs>